everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. I'm your host, Heidi E. Wilcox, bringing you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you who are looking to connect where your passion meets the world's deep need. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Dr. Luther O'Connor, Associate Professor of Global Wesleyan Theology on the Florida Dunham campus. Dr. O'Connor teaches in the area of United Methodist Studies, the Holiness Movement, Pentecostal Charismatic Movement, and Church Renewal. He has written several book chapters and journal articles on the history of global Methodism, the intersection between revival and missions, and the connections between Methodism and Pentecostalism. In 2017, he published Spirit-Filled Protestantism, Holiness Pentecostal Revivals, and the Making of Filipino Methodist Identity. It was awarded the Wesleyan Theological Society's Timothy L. Smith and Mildred Bangs Wine Coop Book of the Year Award in 2018. In today's conversation, we talk about his story of calling and revival, what revival means for us, and how we can join God in the work he is doing around the world. Let's listen. Dr. O'Connor, it is such a delight to have you on the podcast today. I've been looking so forward to our conversation. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Uh, thanks for having me. And also, hi to, the, uh, to, to our listeners. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're delighted to have you. Um, I just want to start out. Um, you're Associate Professor of Theology at Asbury Seminary, so I want to get to how you came to the seminary in a minute. But to start out with, how did you first encounter Jesus? Yes. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm originally from the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I was born and raised Methodist. I'm a third-generation Methodist. Uh, it was my uh, my grandma, who became Methodist, because in the Philippines, uh, people there are predominantly Roman Catholic. And so that faith kind of carried on uh, through her children and then, of course, the grandchildren. And so I'm a third-generation Methodist, so to speak. And so I grew up in church, went to Sunday school. Uh, I did all of that. You know, I did BBS, taught BBS. Uh, but also there was a point in my life when I started to experienced what I would call awakening uh, when I started to become much more serious about the faith. It's, it's funny, though, because I, I just kind of realized that later as I, as I was studying Methodist history and learning more about Wesleyan theology, where, whereby John Wesley talks about awakening um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the work of the Holy Spirit uh, to convince us of our unbelief. And so I went through that uh, when I started to become much more serious about the faith. And uh, also that sense of, oh, no, you know, I'm uh, looking at myself and I realize, oh, I'm a sinner and I'm going to go, I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so there was at a time when I was probably around, around 12, 13. Okay. Uh, and then suddenly in, uh, at the age of 14, uh, a good friend of mine convinced me to attend a youth camp. Uh, in the Philippines, we have a, an annual youth camp called the Christmas Institute. Uh, it's a, it's like a a mixture of a uh, camp meeting uh, kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, that was began in 1921. Uh, it, it came from the Epworth League. It is a uh, Epworth League is a youth organization in the Methodist Episcopal Church at that time. Uh, so they call it the Epworth League, and they would have this Epworth League Christmas Institutes. 
And so it's like a, a rite of passage for Methodist young people in the Philippines. Okay. So that took on, and until now it's around. And actually, we're, we, we're celebrating Centennial uh, this coming December. Oh, that's right. Yes. And, and guess who wrote the history behind it? Me. <laughs> the history <laughs> behind it. But anyway, it was at that camp called Christmas Institute that uh, I got first exposed to evangelical preaching. Um, and, you know, it, uh, it, it was during the evening, uh, probably on the second night of that camp in 1985, wherein the, wherein the preacher, when he was preaching, I felt like he was speaking directly to me. Uh, it felt like he knew my heart. <laughs> and, mm-hmm, and, and then when mm-hmm. he did the altar call, uh, I found myself in front with, with other young people. And the neat thing about it is uh, I, I went in front to, to give my life to Jesus, to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. But it was also at the same time that I also said, I'm going to enter the ministry. Oh, okay, so you accepted Jesus and yes. found your calling yes. or found you <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. at the same time. Yes, and so because uh, it's, it's kind of customary uh, during those events in those Christmas institutes that they... Uh, they invite young people to make a profession of faith in Jesus, and they also would invite them uh, to ministry if they want uh-huh. to become pastors or, or deaconesses. Uh, in the uh-huh. Philippines, we still have what we call deaconesses. Uh, and, and so I was one of those who said, yes, I'm going to go and enter the ministry. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and actually, it was, in a way, uh, it was not a, uh, I think, a random thing that I did because prior to that, even when I was little, even my grandma would tell me whenever I would visit her that I'm going to become a pastor. Really? On. Yes, and, and other people would, would affirm that in church. Uh, and so I think it kind of, it, it just kind of went on naturally for me. Uh, it all made sense to me that night uh, mm-hmm. when I gave that. That when I when I made that declaration that I was mm-hmm. not only going to accept Jesus, profess my faith in Him, uh, my saving faith in Him, and also enter the ministry. Yeah, yeah. So when you say ministry, were you thinking pastor yes, and professor exactly. at that time? Yes. Okay, I was not thinking of professor. Uh, okay, that wasn't even my <laughs> my <laughs> thinking at that time. You know. Uh, uh, but that's another story probably you can ask me later. Uh, okay. but, <laughs> but it was just, you know, in the Philippines, when you say enter the ministry, it only means two things. Either you become a pastor or you become a deaconess. Okay. <laughs> okay. It. All right. So then what was your journey to be a pastor like? Because as a teenager, yeah. did, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. want to assume you didn't start preaching immediately no, because some not, people not do. Right but what was that journey like? After that camp, I started to become much more active in church. So, so mm-hmm. I became, uh, because I come from a family that is quite nominal. Uh, my mom was a nominal Methodist. Uh, my dad was Catholic. And so uh, we don't really, uh, you know, at least they don't really regularly go to church. But but somehow that that moment of profession of faith for me, um, and declaration that I was going to enter the ministry kind of, kind of really turned things around for me. It was a pivotal moment that even that that made me more active in church as a result. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I became active, actively involved in youth ministry uh, in my local church, and uh, I became youth president later on. 
And then I got promoted into becoming a, a president of our youth organization in the district. So, and so that meant that I was be going to be the one who's going to organize those camps. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that was when I was already in college. Uh, so okay. high school and then went on to college. So I was very active uh, in, in youth work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I was, I became, while I was in college, I became a, a licensed lay speaker. Uh, I, I didn't know at that time what the implication of that was. <laughs> But my idea said, okay, I wanted to become a lay speaker. So, okay, cool. Uh, so I guess that gave me the license to speak in churches because I was youth president. So I got invited uh, on special occasions to, to preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at the same time, as I was doing that, uh, you know, I was in college. My, 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 I, I did, going to college uh, was not really a preparation for ministry for me to begin with because I was studying to become an engineer. <laughs> Okay. Despite of that, it's like it didn't make sense. It's like here I was, I knew I was called to the ministry, but I still went to an engineering school. Uh, I, I did my degree was on um, in the Philippines. We have what we call BS uh, Bachelor of Science on Electronics and Communications Engineering. So okay. it's more the uh, you know electronics and and telecommunications stuff. Uh, and so I really enjoyed doing that. And after graduating from from college, and then I passed the board exams um, and, and got to work uh, in the telecommunications industry in the Philippines, I began to realize that maybe I wasn't really called to the ministry. Maybe I heard wrong <laughs> because I kind of uh-huh, uh-huh. enjoying that line of work. Uh, I yes. began to, mm-hmm. I really began to pursue this, this, I would call a, you know, uh, uh, this secular dream, you know, uh, of becoming an engineer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, like, like my yeah, class, totally. like the other, you know, folks, uh, and uh, around me. So I worked for a telecommunications company, uh, and then afterwards left that company and, and moved to another Similar company, but a cell phone company. Uh, it was a uh, a dream job, a, a, a dream job for me, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, it was a, a prime company. It's a, it's a startup, but it's you know it pays well. There was so much prestige to it. With being a being someone from the province, now I got to work in Manila. This is the the main city in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you were going places. I was going places. I. I really enjoyed the work, uh, but then, as I was doing that, I was engaged in that work. Uh, I also fa- found the or sensed the the emptiness of life, uh, you know, doing that uh, because I was just so busy with work, work, work. Uh, it's always overtime. Uh, but there's a lot of infra- infrastructure that we had to build around the country. Uh, it was, mm-hmm. the, it was the advent of telecommunications in the Philippines. You know, not a lot of people had had telephones at that time, and so we were building infrastructure. So there's a lot of work to be done. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was spending a lot of uh, late nights at work, and and sometimes I would even go home or go back to the apartment at uh, around three a.m. in the morning, uh, and then be back at work oh, wow. nine a.m. Uh, usually, work begins for me at five o'clock because that's the time the the, the meetings are done. My my boss my boss's meetings are done, and then uh, as I was as I'm about to go home, he, he will tell me and, and the others. He would he would tell me, "Hey Luther, you know you you stay. We have work to do." <laughs> and so it's always like that. 
Oh. <laughs> so I, I got tired yeah. doing that. I got exhausted doing that. No and doubt. There was even a, a point that, you know, my, my boss and I, uh, you know, stayed, never got home. It's like we just stayed until the morning. <laughs> we, uh, and it was Valentine's Day. started all over yeah, again. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was Valentine's Day. And, you know, he's married uh, and he was in trouble with his wife. Uh, so so yes. so, so yes. <laughs> what I did is he, he brought me to their date. <laughs> so, <laughs> he brought me to their to their date because you know he know that he was gonna be scolded. So he brought oh. he brought me along <laughs> to control soften the Yes, yes, yeah, to soften the blow, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So, but the final. So then. Yeah. Go. Go ahead. I think I was asking what you're fixing to tell me is yeah, how you yes, yeah. then return to seminary and yes. pastoral work. Yes. And so, so the the final straw for me was uh, this was 1996 Christmas, and December 24 we were still working, and then you know we were you know. As I went back to the province, it was December 24, you know, just coming up the office. And now I was scrambling to buy gifts for my nephews and, and nieces uh, and realized, is this, is this it? Is this what you wanted? <laughs> is this the life you've been, you know, you, you really want? Uh, the thing is, and the, the pay was great because I was, you know, earning overtime pay a lot. You know, I'd probably three mm-hmm. times or four times of my regular pay. Uh, and I, I was single, of course, and and I was making all this money, but you know, no time to spend it. <laughs> There's no quality of it. Uh, but at the same time, the the real the real drawback for me was what was happening to me in my spirit. You know, I was dying, so to mm. speak. I was dying in the spirit. I felt I, mm-hmm. I, I my you know I felt that I was kind of pushed back against the wall, and there's no way, you know. Uh, there's no way uh, that I could turn toward or to go to, and um, mm-hmm. and and then so I was really becoming more spiritually bankrupt as a result of that, and it's been manifesting in my attitudes and and, and my struggles with with sin, uh, and and so uh, so it it got to a point that Lord I don't want to live this kind of life, <laughs> I don't want this, mm-hmm. um, and and so. Went on with that Christmas break, and then uh, I told my boss if I could extend my break to attend uh, Aldersgate uh, Youth Conference. There was this Aldersgate gathering. Uh, it's under the Aldersgate Renewal Fellowship. Uh, it's a charismatic uh, organization mm-hmm. in the United States Church uh, that was founded in the U.S., but, but uh, in the Philippines, it has a big following. Uh, it was just growing, and and so they had this youth conference. Uh, it was it's I think second time that they had it, and so I I realized okay this is my last chance. You know, uh, I needed to be there. I needed mm-hmm. to recenter myself uh, as to who I am and 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 my mm-hmm. connection with with God. Uh, and so I went there hungry because it started January second. It, it you know it was really an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it was at that event, you know, just first night, uh, they did an altar call and everyone was in front, crying, weeping. Uh, and I was one of those people. 
Uh, and I had this just this mm-hmm. wonderful experience with the Holy Spirit that I've never experienced in my life. It was just the Holy Spirit just feeling me. Uh, it's like waves upon waves that I found myself on the floor. Uh, you know, people would call it clean the spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and I was one of those people. And I was there. And and as I was gripped by the power of the Holy Spirit, I just felt this uh, kind of like, uh, it, it kind of felt like a Stanley Jones experience, you know, uh, when, it's, when <laughs> yes. uh, I had that waves upon waves, you know, the, the, the touch of the Holy Spirit upon me. And I was weeping, I was laughing, weeping, laughing. <laughs> and I was that, uh, and I was in that state for more than one hour. I was on the floor. Never, never experienced that before. And, and so, mm-hmm. and so one, one, one thing led to another during that event, uh, that it became clear to me. One of the things that became clear to me was the reality of God, that God is real. That God is, you know, uh, works uh, intimately in the lives of people. Uh, and I could no longer ignore that. Uh, and then one, another thing that mm-hmm. happened to me was the confirmation of my call. Um, because during the prayers, during people praying for me personally, uh, words would be revealed, or what we would call words of knowledge, uh, just kind of mm-hmm. confirming uh, God's will for me, and and really just calling me, you know, calling me back to to ministry. Yes. Um, and so, so it became clear to me that 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 God really wanted me to uh, to follow Him uh, in a journey of ministry, mm-hmm. and, and so I made this decision right there and there. That I'm gonna quit my job. Uh, oh wow, that's a big decision. <laughs> it was a big decision, and um, and so after that, after that, after that uh, conference, went back to my job uh, the week later, uh, and I asked to meet with my boss. Uh, I told him uh, that I was gonna resign. Uh, it was fine though because he's the one who called me to his office because. Uh, he wanted to reward me. He said, Luther, I'm just proud of you. I just thank you for all your uh, contributions to, to, to what we're doing. And so I want to reward you with a trip. He said, you know, I'm going to send you to Malaysia for, to train on this new equipment. Uh, it's, uh-huh. a, it's a switching equipment, so to speak, that they use for cell phones, uh, you know, for cell sites and all of that. Uh, and so I wanted you to, to be one of the first ones to learn this, this switching equipment. And I'm going to send you uh-huh. there. And then I told him, but, but boss, you know, I, I was going to tell you I was going to resign. I want to resign. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was, I haven't been outside of the Philippines at that point. I've never made, you know, never been on a plane <laughs> prior to that. And it's giving me oh, that. Wow. And, wow. Uh, and, and so, yes. so he was shocked, you know. But then he said, you know what? You still deserve it. I'm, gonna, I'm still going to send you there. You know, uh, but at the back of his oh, mind, wow. you know, I was gonna change my mind. You know, <laughs> that would change my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was, I was, you know, I was determined. Yeah. And and, and so I think the the final confirmation was uh, I, I was in Malaysia for that training, and I called my my parents who were they were in the U.S. at that time. Uh, they were in New Jersey, and my mom said, you know, so you're very so you're so it looks like you're enjoying your job. You're very happy with your job. He, he said. So that was the cue for me, and then I told I told her, "No, I'm not happy. That's that's why I'm resigning." <laughs> what? <laughs> so they were shocked. <laughs> but uh, but then okay, we support yes. we support you. If that's your decision. 
So in a way, I think my mom already knew that uh, that mm-hmm. I had been called to the ministry. So her and my dad, they they said, "Okay, you you have our our blessing." So that was it. When I got back, uh, you know, there was no turning back. And come June, that was February. Come June, I was I was now pastoring a church. Because uh, that's how we do it in the Philippines. Oh, if, wow. Yeah. If, if you say you're going to enter. Yeah, that happened they, fast. Yes. They don't say you go to seminary. No, they don't send you to seminary. They send you to a church and pastor right away. Uh, probably, I guess. Oh, wow. Wow. Because of my exposure with the young people, with youth ministry. And so that's why they trusted me with the church. And so there I was from, you know, okay. from the asphalt jungle of Manila. Now pastoring in uh, in a small rural rural church in the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was that transition like for you as you went from kind of the corporate world yes. to a church yes, setting? Was, and and mm-hmm. I'm sure had a lot to learn. I can't imagine being yeah. thrown in yes. just to any yeah. type of job. And you know, yeah, so what it, was that like was, for you? It was a big culture shock to begin with because you know, <laughs> yeah. I was, you know I was going you know nine to five. Uh, not really nine to five, but going every day to to the office, you know, with a necktie and all of that, um, you know, riding uh, the public transportation in Manila, getting to work, um, and now I'm I'm in a uh, I'm in a, what I call a barrio or a, a rural village, a farming village where life is very very slow, <laughs> uh, surrounded by farms, and there's a lot of poverty. Uh, in that area that even the church could not even afford uh, to pay me. Uh, and and so I really survived on my severance pay or my severance package from my, from my previous work. That's how I, I you know, I, uh, I, you know, I, I survived uh, yeah. that first year. Uh, but it was, you know, I, I, I was never... Uh, happier than than that, you know, in my life, yeah. be yeah. in in that kind of uh, place. Uh, I felt this nearness to God, and 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 also just to be able to serve people, to to bring hope to the lives of people, uh, and and see change happening in the community uh, of of that of that church. You know, is something that can be bought. You know, uh, mm-hmm. with any amount of money, uh, I really felt that that I was called to this. You know, that I was mm-hmm. called yeah. to ministry. And and, and then the neat thing with that church, we we, we we saw a revival happen in that church. Yeah. Um, and, and and it all happened as a result of prayer. We were just praying. You know, we we've been praying. Me and a few leaders. We would wake up around five a.m. in the morning, and we would gather at church. Uh, and and just pray for uh, for an awakening in that community, uh, and it happened eventually. Uh, mm-hmm. A few months after that, yeah. and yeah, and uh, it was you know uh, we we've seen a lot, and also we've seen a lot of miracles happen uh, in in that church. We've we've seen healings take place, and and most important, we've we've seen life change for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. turning to God. Um, but I was only there for a year. But 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 the neat okay. thing. Is, but the neat thing is, you know, I feel like uh, I was there forever because we were we were doing a lot of things. We were seeing a lot of things, great things happening in God's kingdom. 
Yeah. How did you, so you were there for a year. Um, how did you come to the, to the U S cause yeah, you so, have mentioned that you've lived in the U S for 20 years now. Yeah. So, so after that I went, uh, I got appointed to another church, to another district and, and pastored there for three years. But as I was pastoring, I was going to seminary. Uh, okay. Okay. So that was the time that they sent me to seminary. Uh, it's called Wesley Divinity School. And so did that, did my MDiv there. Uh, but there's also this sense within me to, to wanted to find out, wanting to find out more about, about Wesley, wanting to find out more about Methodism. And so I made it my, my personal goal that after I finished seminary, that I would try to apply to study in the U.S. Okay. And so I did that in my last year. I began the process of applying uh, and I got admitted at uh, Drew University uh, in New Jersey. Uh, we have we have there the uh, UMC seminary called Drew Theological School. And the reason I picked that seminary was because it's closer to where my parents were at that time. Of course, uh, of course. So that's why uh, I also kind of kind of you know was thinking about applying at Asbury. Uh, but but the but the process was much more. I find it a little bit more difficult, I guess. Uh, and also, I think the the, the scholarship package was was not, was not uh-huh. there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that why I met with, with, with Drew. Uh, although my 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 preference was Asbury actually, not, not, not Drew. Um, uh huh. Uh, well, we're glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just to, on the record, so I would just say that. Uh, and, 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 and so went to Drew and, and did my MA. Uh, it's my Master's of Sacred. Uh, it's called STM, Master of Sacred Theology, and with the intent of being there for only a year or two. But then as I was in that, in that period of study, uh, my professors would confirm to me, are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> Why are you taking this? You know, uh, oh, I just want to do it here for a year or two and then go back. Mm, and then one of my professors, uh, he told me, you know what? I, I think you can do the PhD, said, the PhD program. And I was, mm-hmm. I, was, I, was, I was even clueless at that time. It's like, I don't even have any idea. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> right. What a, what a person with a, with a PhD does, you know. But okay, so I applied, and and, and the neat thing was, uh, you know, the, the Lord provided. I got scholarship and all of that, and so, so after after this period of doing the the master masteral uh, studies, uh, I transitioned to the PhD program after. Uh, so I I came into the program not emotionally and mentally prepared, so to speak. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but, but, but yeah. the Lord, but the Lord, uh, you know, provided provided the way, sure. and I really enjoyed it because I got to uh, focus more on what I wanted to learn. Uh, mm-hmm. That is more on, on on the Wesleyan study side. Got to to know more about uh, Wesleyan theology, uh, Methodist history, because because the uh, the program was on Wesleyan and Methodist studies. Um, okay. All right. So I was the yeah. last. I was part of the last batch <laughs> of students in that in that program. I drew. The neat thing was also uh, it allowed me to be able to study more about the history of Methodism in the Philippines. So, mm-hmm. so that's where I uh, really focused my energies on uh, when I started uh, 
working on my dissertation. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because there, the on campus we have the United Methodist Archives, uh, which has uh, the largest collection of, of materials from uh, from Methodist missionaries, mm-hmm. <laughs> those who mm-hmm. went overseas, uh, and even those who went to the Philippines, and so so I really um, got to work on those materials, those those journal reports, those diaries, journals personal journals of missionaries uh, and other uh, primary materials. Uh, yeah, so I that's got, awesome. God, God used that, that, that period of study as a moment of personal revival for me as well. Yeah, how so? Because I want to talk about revival for yes, sure, because you've yes. done a lot of work and research yes. and thinking in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does revival mean to you personally? Yes. And then how does it, look out in the community and then the world. Yes. Yeah, I think b- before I, I define what revival is, is, I think there's a misconception about revival. It's sometimes when we say revival, we mistake it for what really is what we would call re- revivalism. You know. Okay, and, yes. yes. I think that's what I think of. I think yeah. of like a scheduled week, you yes. know, a camp meeting service and it's a revival mm-hmm. meeting. Yes. And that is that is what I think of when I think of yes. revival. Yes, that's what we typically think about when we say revival. But really that's what we call revivalism. It's our attempt. Uh, it's our attempt to to really hope for a revival to happen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, it's like you we initiate something and then we hope we hope that God will show up. <laughs> You know, uh, and I'm not saying that it's wrong because sometimes the God shows up, and I've experienced that uh, in my life. Uh, but I think revival is much more deeper than that. Uh, revival is more of a divinely initiated process, uh, mm-hmm. and I think uh, in which a dying church uh, is revitalized uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and and I'm not. This is not my own definition. I'm, I'm actually quoting here Mark Stevie uh, from a book called uh, On Revival. Uh, he's an Anglican priest, a former Anglican priest uh, uh, appointed to a church in England at one point. But anyway, that's what he said. It's, it's a divinely initiated process uh, in which a dying church is revitalized through the work of the Holy Spirit. But then something happens as a result of that. It's that one of the things that happens is that it, uh, as the Holy Spirit moves in the midst of this revival, this leads people to a new love affair with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, so they fall in love with Jesus. So I think that's really neat, I think, because it really kind of just, that's a nod to what Jesus said in John 15, verse 26, when he said, you know, when the advocate comes, when the advocate comes referring to the Holy Spirit, he said, he will testify about me. Mm-hmm. So basically, when you experience Holy Spirit, he will point us to Jesus. So I think that's what happens. When when Holy Spirit shows up at revival, when revival takes place, people recover this new love affair uh, mm-hmm. or gain this new love affair with Jesus Christ. But but it's, it, it doesn't end there. As people are drawn and fall, as they fall in love with Jesus, uh, this transforms the, the community. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a transformation that takes place in the community itself, and not only within that community, but also in the surrounding communities, <laughs> you know, or even the region, and even yes. the whole nation. 
you know, we're, we're, yes. we're, in, we're in that revi- revival has taken place. So I think that's really a revival for me. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of uh, illustrates well what also happened in, in those powerful moves of God uh, in, the, in the past, uh, in history. Uh, a good example. Yeah. Be, yeah, a good example would be the Great Awakening. You have the Second Great Awakening uh, taking place at King Ridge there in Kentucky, <laughs> which I got to visit a few years ago. Um, yeah, and so, so revival is much more impact, impactful because it's, it's a genuine move of God in a yes. particular time and space. Yes. So how do we, yeah. mm-hmm. Yes. So how do we how do we transition? Because mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying that revivalism mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing, but how do we join with God and to mm-hmm. partake in the revival work mm-hmm. that He wants to do? Yeah. So how do we join? So yeah. so I think we have to again we have to put ourselves in abating the means of grace. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very Wesleyan, I think. Uh, you have to put yourself in a place whereby you can receive grace. Okay. Uh, and and so I think that's what revivalism that does. I think it's it's more of a means of grace. Uh, it is not revival itself, but mm-hmm. it is putting yourself. It is a prayer, so to speak. You know uh, that you want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's why, even though they're not revival, uh, you know per se. Still, it's like a prayer, you know. It's it's like a it's like saying, "Oh, I want to experience God in a special way." So let's do something to put ourselves in that place. As long yeah. as we have that understanding, then I think it's okay. The, mm-hmm. the problem lies with uh, when we have a misconception of that, and we say that if I'm gonna do this, then God will show up. Then that's a wrong idea, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we're the one who's manufacturing revival in that, you know. Mm-hmm. But if we we're, we're cognizant of the fact that it is God who does revival. Um, and, and we're cognizant of the fact that we just need to put ourselves in a place. Yeah. <laughs> or we can experience it. Then I think, that, I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and also, uh, w- when we say, you know, revival, it involves, you know, repentance. Uh, it, repen- it involves uh, mass repentance. You know, people just repenting of their sins. Um uh, and, and I know something of that nature happened there at Asbury. Uh, mm-hmm, that's in true. In 1970, when you had that revival that, that took place there at, at Asbury. And I think there were also some minor, little manifestations of that here and there, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, um, for sure. But it's really, it's really that, you know, that's, that's people getting, uh, when, when they're confronted with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that they're also get to see what's happening in their own lives and get to reassess their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and, they re- and they realize, why oh, mess up? <laughs> <'Cause> I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the presence of the Holy, you know, of the Holy One. And, and uh, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, just like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, you know, when, when yeah. he's in the temple and, and, and experience, experience the presence of God there. Uh, and, it's, and he said, I am a, I am yeah. a man of unclean lips, you know. Um, so kind of like that when we experience uh, the holiness of God and then we realize uh, how truly fallen we are uh, and all you can do is really if you repent if you, you confess <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. that's what happens in revival yeah 
Yeah. Can you tell me about, because I still, I'm struggling to get it out of my head, the the revival week that yeah. I've experienced. Yeah. And I know that's not what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. can you give me a picture of what yeah. revival looks like? Yes. I think, I think revival is, uh, you know, it's, there's a supernatural aspect to it because mm-hmm. God is there. So it's a, I would call it an encounter. Uh, it's yeah. really a moment of encounter with, with the living God. Uh, in ways that you've never experienced before. Although we believe in, in, in the omnipresence of God, you know, that God is everywhere. He's all powerful, omniscient, but he's also omnipresent. Uh, but, but we're not really, you know, when we're talking about revival, we're not talking about the omnipresence of God. We're talking more about the manifested presence of God. Uh, you know, God is omnipresent. Mm-hmm. He's everywhere, but God, <laughs> God is not, God's manifested presence is not everywhere. <laughs> there are certain right. conditions that, that, that need to be met uh, for that to take place. And so that's, that's what happens during the revival. It's, you have God's manifested presence or what we would call the Shekinah glory of God. Right. Yeah. And it's not necessarily in one service or, right. some, or something yeah. like that, or yeah. even in a church at all. It can be in your house. Or... It can be in your house. Yeah, it can be anywhere. Uh, yeah. you know, where, where God is glorified, you know, where, where yeah. it's recognized. And so you, you have that manifested presence of God. And, and once you have that, that's an encounter. You know, you expect, it's the presence of God is just so thick, you know, that the, uh, the atmosphere in the room is, you know, it's different. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, and, and then you are just compelled. Uh, and, and, and so that's what happened in, in that event. Going back to that event you were asking me about. Is you just felt the thickness of the presence of God in that in that auditorium where, where we were gathered. Uh, that there's a lot of manifestations. People are being delivered from their own personal issues. There's a lot of people who are having convulsions. People having who are shouting, weeping, uh, and, and it's very loud. You know, uh, people where uh, there are people who are being thrown up from their chairs and no one's even touching them. You know, it's like bad, bad, bad. You know, it's like from one event after the other during that conference. It was like, yeah, it's always like that. You know, um, the funny, the funny thing was uh, in, in, in the last day, uh, our consecration service it was the last service, and, and we had the bishop, one of our bishops, uh, preaching in that service. And this bishop is not charismatic; he's not aware of all of these things. He just came there. And so we did the usual Methodist service with a processional. There was piano music or kind of organ music on the background. There's nothing charismatic about it. About it. Uh, and so as, as the bishop was processing in the middle of the aisle, you know, you would see these young people seated one by one. They're just being thrown up from their chairs. And, back, 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 back. <laughs> and then when he started preaching, I mean, it was just a normal sermon that <laughs> you would mm-hmm. hear. Uh, and then suddenly you would have outbursts of manifestations, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he was kind of shocked, you know. But the, the, the neat thing was he was cool about it. He was like, okay. <laughs> he was not, you know, he was not, yeah. uh, you know, he kept his composure in the midst of, in the midst of that. Because there were people who were, who were, you know, being thrown off from their chairs and then started spinning like tops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the yeah. floor. Uh and then you would have people come in, bring stretchers, and take these people to what we would call the ICU section. We even had an ICU section. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and so 
So so that, that's how intense that was. That event was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. What is the role of prayer in mm-hmm. in going from revival to then going out into the community yes. and sharing it with other people? Yeah. Yeah. Pray, yeah. Prayer. I think is is um, uh, you know it's necessary for revival. Uh, Right, because I asked that because yeah. you said you had prayed for revival mm-hmm. intensely mm-hmm. in the first church that you pastored. Yeah. So mm-hmm. is that is that the only way to invite the Holy Spirit to then move in our communities and in our midst? Because yeah. as mm-hmm. we talked about off the podcast, yeah. we are in desperate need yes. of yeah. of revival. Yes. So how can we yeah. I, how I, can I, I, we yeah. make ourselves available for this? Yeah, so I'm not going to say it's, not, it's, it's, it's the only way, but there's no way that you can have revival without prayer. You know? Okay. Um, there has to be this hunger. And, and, and actually, Charles Finney, uh, in his book on, the, uh, on lectures on revival, talks about mighty prevailing prayer. Like you're, you're just, you know, you're just, uh, what do you call that? You're just pushing through, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this sense of desperation. Yeah, uh, that um, it's like it's like you're running out of air to breathe, you know. Yeah, yeah. and that that that's how desperate you are. Uh, well, you're desperate for God's presence, and yeah. and and so and so I think that's that's what prayer does. You know, it it really conditions us uh, for to have this hunger for God, and and I think for me personally, I experienced that going to that conference because I was already hungry going there. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that my prayer, well, you know, prepared me for that. Uh, but also there were other people praying for it prior to it. Uh, and, and then mm-hmm. I experienced it, experienced it myself when, when I was pastoring a church and we were having this, uh, this prayer meetings early in the morning every day, uh, you know, of uh, four to three, three to four people gathered every day at the church praying for revival. And so I guess what it does is just, it's kind of just saying we want it, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we definitely. <laughs> you know, we want to prepare the place, and, and lo and behold, when it happened, it happened amongst the people that we were praying for. You know, <laughs> it did not happen to us to begin to begin with, but it happened to because we were praying for our young people, and then it happened amongst them. Yeah, uh, yeah, and. Uh, and and uh, finally, I, I should I should tell the story. You know, this this happened Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Uh, I was having my usual Bible study in one of the homes uh, in that village. When suddenly, uh, I have a youth volunteer uh, who's not from that church, but he was a good he's a good friend of mine, but also experienced revival in that in that camp in that conference that I was that I came from. Uh, helped me in that church. Uh, so he was teaching the young people Bible study at the same time as I was teaching the adults in the, in another house. Mm-hmm. Suddenly he would come, uh, you know, he he came rushing to that Bible study and said, "Pastor, you better come to me right now. Come with me right now." And what? What's happened? You better no. I, I'll explain to you later. Just let's come. Let's go to the church. Something's happened. He said. So we we rushed to the church and then lo and behold, I got in the church and saw all our, all our, our young people uh, kneeling by the altar rail. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they were all crying, you know, crying and weeping, and then they started confessing their sins. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they were, you know, there's, I mean, it's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. They were all kneeling in the altar rail, and 
um, even the hard, you know, the ones I would say, you know, quite uh, hard-headed <laughs> 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 or, or, or not responding too much, you know, when, when I try to approach them. But suddenly I find them there yeah. <laughs> weeping. And uh, and then so they were confessing their sins to me. <laughs> they were telling me stuff. Uh, and we were crying and we were praying for them. And then suddenly the parents started coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and then the, when the parents and when the parents sees this, then they all started weeping as well. <laughs> and the kids would talk to them and 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 also uh, you know re- confess their sins to their parents, and, and so it was powerful. Yeah, so this this started around probably around four in the afternoon, and and we ended around uh, past ten in the evening, <laughs> um, because we were just there in the church worshiping, singing, yeah, and just crying, weeping before the Lord, and but that mark. Uh, a change in the life of the church, mm-hmm. uh, um, because of this, yeah, in, in the lives of these young people, it it also had an impact with the with the with the adults in that church, right? Uh, definitely, um, and and the adjacent communities also started checking us out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do we, after people have these experiences? How do we help people go beyond checking the boxes yes. and continue to live the renewed lives that they're yes. called to? Yeah, so that's the that's the hardest part, you know, because yeah. people don't know uh, how to handle revivals. So they don't know how to mm-hmm. handle what, they, uh, what what to do next after the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, typically when revival takes place, typically they just fizzle out. Uh, typically, they just get trapped into the understanding that revival is about just the manifestations and they kind of get they get fixated on that and they start, they start looking for it uh, but then they forget that there's a purpose why that happened you know they forget that um that you know that the, the main purpose i believe is just like what happened to isaiah in chapters uh in isaiah 6 when he said uh, here i am lord send, send me mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and and so so that's what the, that's mostly the the part that people miss is that here I am, Lord, send me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no actual sending that that takes place, and so they get they get dragged into that uh, uh, that other aspect of revival, and um, and so I think that's how you maintain revival. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and, and I say even you know when when revival happens, they ha- they they usually happen in a particular time and space. But I, I don't think they're meant to to stay that way because we're meant to be we're meant to be driven out not driven out in a bad way but driven out in a good way mm-hmm. you know we are we are we are moved to uh, do something you know uh, yes uh, yes because if we're stuck there and then we 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 miss the revival if if we got if we got stuck there uh, mm-hmm. you know, just like the uh, transfiguration you know when Peter said you know, uh, Lord, can we just stay here? You know, I want to stay here in the mountain. Yeah, yeah. And I just feel this, you know, and let's stay here. But but the point is to go down the mountain and leave that place. Because there's yeah. something to do. And so I think that's how you really maintain revival is to, you know, is to be part of the, of the aim of that revival, of what God wanted you to do as a result of that revival. Yeah. Um, uh- as we after we've had our encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I'm not assuming that it's one encounter, it can be yes. multiple over yes. our lifetimes. But mm-hmm. as we then go on from that encounter and go out, why is it so important that we recover our theology yeah. as we do that? 
Yeah, I think it's a, I think because belief matters. Uh and because because beliefs they really ground us they define our practices mm-hmm. uh because otherwise you know you you'll be uh you know you you you're, you're moving how do you call that it's like yeah your uh, the cart is pulling the horse so to speak yeah yeah an <laughs> action follow belief yeah yeah so so that's why we need to be clear with with our beliefs we need to be clear about theology uh, because everything uh, flows out of theological reflection. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, yeah, we read, we read scripture, uh, but then how do we reflect on scripture? Uh, and when we reflect on scripture, when we think about scripture, uh, it has to be consistent with the with with the understanding of, of the cloud of witnesses that came before us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, those early Christians. We're talking about. Uh, you know, we're we're talking about. Christian theology as it, as it developed uh, from the Palestine region uh, and, and and then among the uh, among the early Christians in um, in the Mediterranean basin um, and and then it got it got uh, it developed uh, from uh, from one century to another and so it has to be connected with that um, yeah and, and so and so it, it's important because it defines our practices what we do. Uh, because yeah. otherwise, if we do have bad theology, then it's gonna we, we're gonna also have bad practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna when we that, yeah. yeah, as a professor, do you see yourself as also a pastor for your students and helping them? Connect? Yeah, most, de- most definitely. Because because my calling was a pastor. I was I was a uh-huh. pastor first and foremost, and that never that never went away. Uh uh-huh. When I when I transitioned into uh, into teaching starting 2012 uh, i always approach teaching with a with a pastor's heart mm-hmm. um, and and i understand where my students came from and that they were called to minister they're not there because they're, they're pursuing a career but because they also felt the call and i also i, I also yeah. have to be mindful of that that we're all called uh mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and i'm there to not only to reaffirm that, but also to enhance that call uh, mm-hmm. to make active ministers of the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and and I think people, you know, my students w- would always say that to me as well. You know, when um, when I get a chance to to speak with them, I think they they usually detect that. You know that that I, that I'm a pastor, uh, which kind of neat a neat thing. Uh, I, I see that as a confirmation as well of my of, of my call as a pastor. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Because I thought that when I uh, when I entered the teaching ministry, that that was it. That I was no longer going to be a pastor. But uh, but time and time again, God has been sort of kind of telling me that uh, I'm still a pastor, but now I'm a pastor of uh, of pastors, so to speak. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. I it love it. Yeah, quite need to be in. Yeah, I love that. Um, before we wrap up today, this conversation has been an absolute delight. Um, before we wrap up, we have one question that we ask everyone. But before we do, is there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already talked about? Uh, there's many things, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I feel like we can just keep going. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I think I'm cool with what we've talked about so far. 
Okay. Awesome. All right. So because the show is called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, what is one practice that is helping you thrive in your life right now? Uh, Right now, what's making me thrive in my life right now is uh, I think my my own reflection of of how God moves uh, in history. Um, Mm -hmm. Because right now I'm I used to teach a lot on on my this history, uh, and in my previous in my in the previous seminary where I where I taught, and um, and 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 it and it kind of, and I've been doing that for the past nine years. Uh, it got to a point that it got it got a bit stale. Uh, mm-hmm. But the neat thing now is with Asbury, uh, I was asked to do a, 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 a to teach to teach a, a new course for me, and that is. Uh, Christian history, uh, and so now as I, you know, I begin to review what I know about church history, especially now in this semester I'm teaching church history one, uh, just learning more about uh, how God moved, you know, among, among the early Christians, I mean, in the early church. It's really, uh, it's it's like my fuel right now. Mm-hmm, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's all making sense to me right now in terms of. Uh, the connection uh, with what we read in the Bible. Uh, it's, like, it's, it's like a missing link. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and learning and seeing that missing link for me uh, is quite reinvigorating, right? Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's making my understanding of Christianity and who I am much richer. And, and, and I find myself just being excited about that. Yeah, yeah, you're seeing the foundation. Yes, because I'm, I'm I'm beginning to understand uh, the foundation in a much more intimate way uh, than I have experienced before, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and so it's really making me excited. You know, just every week after week, as I, <laughs> you know, as I as I look into this, because I was doing a lot of prep work prior prior to prior to last week, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. and so. Uh, I've never seen myself as excited as that, just prepping for these courses. Uh, awesome. Amazing, amazing experience for me. Awesome. I love that. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. It's just been a joy to hear more of your story and just get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Heidi. Thanks again for having me. I, I look forward to uh, to getting really immersed uh, in our community right here at Asbury. Yes, of course. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Dr. O'Connor. So appreciate him sharing his story and giving me at least a fresh idea of what revival means and how to connect that with mission and theology. So appreciate him being on the podcast today. As always, you can follow us in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at Asbury Seminary. Until next time, I hope you'll go do something that helps you thrive. <laughs>